Our reading this morning is taken from John chapter 17 and beginning at verse 9. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth like to introduce you to our Archdeacon, Richard Frank. I've actually known Richard uh, for a long time now, um, but he's come here today to preach for us and to lead us in communion. So let me just pray for him. Holy Spirit, come and fill Richard now from top to toe. Come and take the words he's prepared and Breathe your life and fire into them that as we hear them, they will go deep inside us and have an effect in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So lovely to be back in. I have to say, that, the church looks rather different from what it did then. Um, it was tables and food uh, rather than people and chairs uh, serving, serving the local communities. I knew, know you do. And uh, so it's wonderful to be here. Um, the other thing I want to do before we, we pass straight in is to do some thank yous. I, we're missing Alan um, at the moment, and I know that we're praying for them all um, as they walk through some very difficult times together. And I, in the midst of all of that, I do want to thank those who are um, helping to lead the church in the meantime. I want to thank uh, Guy and Grant, uh, your church wardens. I want to thank the staff team. Uh, we've already mentioned Sophie, and it was wonderful to be part of her priesting service yesterday. Uh, but those, uh, both as volunteers and staff team members who lead the church, um, I hope you're praying for them. Uh, they're an amazing bunch of people. I've had quite a lot to do with them over the last few years with Interregnum and, and now. Um, but can we give them a round of applause just to say thank you for all they're doing? So we've got this amazing passage uh, from uh, John's Gospel. And uh, we've heard just a little glimpse, if you like, of Jesus praying. And we're going to ask the question, how do we pray like Jesus? At nine o'clock, 
on March the 23rd, 2020, will live, I was going to say long, probably live forever uh, in my memory. I was on my very first Zoom call. Do you remember those halcyon days when none of us knew what a Zoom call was? Uh, even as a self-confessed geek, I had no idea what a Zoom call was until I appeared on one at 9 o'clock on the 23rd of March. Anybody know what else happened on the 23rd of March 2020 at 8 o'clock that evening? Who appeared on TV? It wasn't me. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry to get you to mention that. Um, so I, I became Archdeacon at 9 o'clock on a Zoom call. Uh, on the 23rd of March, and 8 o'clock that evening, Boris put us all into lockdown. I'd like to say here and now, it wasn't my fault. Uh, I'm not directly responsible. Um, but at that point, my phone started to ring, uh, because archdeacons, that's a layer in the Church of England uh, to whom church leaders, vicars, church wardens uh, ring when something goes wrong. I mean, we have other jobs as well, but uh, at that moment, that was all that mattered. How do we do this? What are we allowed to do? Um, how do we take things forward? How do we cope with church buildings that are closed? How do we do church and be church together? And so suddenly I had a brand new job to learn. Um, I spent far more of my life reading through primary legislation and law than I ever expected to do with an engineering degree. Um, I had to talk to other archdeacons. I read handbooks. I looked stuff up online. I learned how to do the job right. And of course, there are plenty of things in life that we learn that way. We learn techniques and tricks and rules and boundaries. We ask questions and we learn how to do stuff. Learning to pray, though, is not like that, at least not primarily. This astonishing gift, perhaps the most astonishing gift any of us have been given as disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, this gift of prayer it's not a technique to be learned so we can be more effective, but a relationship to be enjoyed so that we and the world are transformed. And you don't learn relationship by learning tricks of the trade. You don't learn relationships by learning rules. You learn relationship by entering into them and by watching others, how they relate, how they grow. There is a type of prayer that's all about technique. Actually, that's what the Bible would call paganism. Uh, the, the religions of the world that say, if you learn this technique, if you pray this way, if you pray this number of times in the right place, in the right way, then something will happen because you've made it happen. A prayer becomes a lever, you pull. And if you pull it in the right way with enough strength, with enough people, stuff happens. That's not Christian prayer. Christian prayer is the gift of relationship with our Heavenly Father through Christ, by His Spirit. Prayer is building relationship with God, being changed by God, seeing the world and our lives transformed by Him. So, yes, this passage from John does give us a glimpse into how Jesus prays. But as we look at it together, we're not looking for a sort of few techniques or a few key praises, pr phrases. You know, if I pray like Jesus prayed, stuff will happen. Now, what we're doing is we're listening in to the very heart of God. We're trying to understand not so much how Jesus prays in the sense of some phrases or techniques. We're wanting to learn why he prays. We want to learn where he's standing when he prays. Now, there's another whole sermon, and you'll be relieved to hear I'm going to preach a second one as well. There's another whole sermon or talk to be preached about what Jesus prays, because actually he's praying for you. 
and he's praying for me. We'll maybe finish with just a minute on that. But I want to suggest that, at very least, listening in to Jesus praying gives us perhaps four questions that might help frame and shape our relationship with God. Things, four things we can ask ourselves in our praying that just might help shape that relationship that we're growing with our Heavenly Father. Four descriptions of what Jesus' prayer is like. Let's have a listen to them. The first is this. It's perhaps the most obvious, but perhaps the hardest to do. That Jesus' prayer is entirely God-centred. That sounds an odd thing to say. How could prayer not be God-centred? Well, if you were to listen to my praying, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but truthfully would have to tell you an awful lot of my praying is not God-centred. It's entirely Richard Frank-centred. Now, it's not that I'm not meant to bring to God what I want. The Scriptures tell us again and again to bring to God the desires of our hearts. It's not that I can't tell him how I feel. You only have to listen to the Psalms to see that you're meant to be absolutely open and honest with God in the midst of the wonderful stuff of life and in the midst of the truly dark stuff of life. But it's that the beating heart, the centre of gravity for prayer, is not meant to be me, but my Heavenly Father. Listen to Jesus He says, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. He then says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Your word is truth. Time and again, you, your, you, your. The center of gravity in our praying is simply God. It's not a bad way of just thinking about how we pray. In my praying, would my prayer... Now, this, is, this might sound a strange question. Would my praying be any different if God wasn't there? Sounds strange. But if my prayers are only a list of what I want, then I can effectively pray as an atheist. If really, I can simply say, this is what I want. Jesus doesn't like pray like that at all. At the heart of his whole world is his heavenly father. He starts with God. You, yours. All I have is yours. They are yours. It's about your name and the power of your name. Your word is truth. It's all rooted in him. So when I pray... Yes, I want to tell him what I need, what I feel, what I want, but actually the heart of it needs to be saying to God, what do you want? What are you doing? How will you act? What's your heart? That's the heart of prayer. So it's not a bad thing to pause before we pray, to remember that the heart of the universe is not me, but him. That the most important thing is not what I want, but what he wants. If the king of kings and the maker of the universe, Jesus Christ himself, said, not my will, but yours be done, how much more do I say I want my prayer to be absolutely all about God before it's about me? That's the first question we might ask. Is my praying God-centered? The second prayer, the question we might ask about our praying is, Is my praying heaven-shaped? Is my praying heaven-shaped? 
Our prayers are to be transformed by remembering that this world and this life is not all there is to life. That there is more to life than meets the eye. In the same way that Friday is transformed by the weekend that's coming. In the same way that spending eight hours in a metal tube with a whole load of strangers and rather stale air is transformed by the fact you're flying somewhere for holiday. This life is transformed by our direction that we're citizens of a world that is yet to come, when heaven and earth are brought together and all things are made new. And listen to the way Jesus prays. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, and I am coming to you. I'm coming to you now, he says. And then he says of his friends, the disciples, and of you and me, he says, they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. When we pray, we pray as those who know that this is our home for now. But there will come a day when God draws a line under history, when he puts right all that is wrong, when he repairs all that is broken, when he sets love, the love of the Father for all people everywhere, right at the heart of this broken world and brings heaven and earth together. So when I pray, I pray not with the blinkers on that says this is all there is and I desperately have to have it all right now. I pray with my eyes set on the world that is to come. We pray that this world would be increasingly transformed into the place that God will one day make it fully. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the Lord's prayer right at the heart of it. It's that sense that this world isn't all there is. So as I start my praying, I'm going to ask, is God at the center of all of this? And then I'm going to say, is this prayer shaped by the fact that this is not all there is to life? That there is a life of the world to come that I look forward to, where I belong. Here's a third question. Is my prayer founded in reality? Is my prayer founded in reality? Jesus is brutally realistic about the realities of this world. He says, Holy Father, protect them. He says, make them one. That implies that we're not all one all the time. He talks about keeping them safe. He talks about being lost. He prays for a measure of joy when we have none. He prays that they will be protected. Actually, prayer has to be realistic. It's not about simply putting on our best face, about pretending to God that everything's fine. It's about recognizing that the world is difficult. It's broken. It's messy. It's complicated. It's not as we want it to be. It's bringing the truth and reality of broken lives, of messy relationships, of imperfect churches, obviously other than here. It's bringing to God's stuff that is real. It's one of the reasons that I love the scriptures. They're full of the broken, messy reality of ordinary, everyday life. If you want to see it anywhere, read the Psalms. The Psalms are a really noisy book, but they're noisy with crying and with yelling and with heartbreak, just as much as they are also full of the noise of praise and joy and prayer. So when I pray, 
Yes, I want to ask, is God at the very heart of my praying? Not what I will, but what you will. I want to ask, are my prayers shaped by the fact this world is not all there is? I belong beyond. But I also want to ask, am I being real with God? Am I being honest? Am I laying my heart open to him? Am I saying to him, this is really who I am, how I am? And knowing that he's not afraid of that. One final question. The question is this. Am I prepared to be part of the answer to my own prayers? Will I give of myself for this thing, this situation, this person that I'm praying for? We tend to think, don't we, and it goes back to the pagan view of prayer, that prayer is about pulling a lever in order that something over there changes. But so much of the time as we pray, God transforms us to be part of the answer. And you see it right there at the heart of Jesus' prayer. He prays this. He says, I pray for them, and I have given them your word. I have come to them. I have given myself to them. And then he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. In other words, he doesn't just say, Heavenly Father, send them out. He says, just as you've sent me, send them. And he doesn't just say, make them holy. He says, I've made myself holy that they might be. I've set myself apart that they might be. In other words, as we pray, the question is, am I willing to be part of the answer to the very prayer that I'm praying? It's sometimes the most profound answer to prayer. And it's the most unexpected and sometimes the most painful one. I'm praying for some situation and I want God to step in and make it all better. I mean, that's the, that's the toddler in me, isn't it? I, I, you know, I, my kids are 21 and 17 now, so they don't do this. But when they were toddlers, you know, if they uh, stubbed their toe or they dropped something or they hurt themselves, they wanted me to pick them up and make them better. Actually, the first thing they do would be really cross with me. Have you noticed that with the toddler age? They hurt themselves and they're cross with you. And we do that with God as well, don't we? But that's just another thing. But then they want me to make it better. They want an adult to sort of scoop them up. Well, that's okay. That's all right to be with God in that mode. But we also need to be willing for him to gently move us beyond simply God, make it better. To God, what do you want me to do? How can I give myself to be the answer to this prayer? So as we listen in on Jesus' astonishing prayer, We're given these four challenges. As I pray, is my praying God-centered? Is it shaped by heaven? Is it founded on reality? And does it open up the possibility of self-giving, that I could be part of the answer that God has to this situation? And those aren't just challenges. Actually, they're things that help us pray. It's actually much easier to pray when I put God right at the heart rather than me. It gives me much more faith and hope in my praying when I realize that there is more to come in this world. It absolutely helps me pray to be real. And most of all, it helps me pray to recognize that God might be saying back to me, do you know what? I want the same thing as you. Here's what I want you to do. 
Prayer is the most astonishing gift. It's for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're the baby, baby, baby of Christians or whether you've been doing this for decades, whether you've been walking with Jesus for a week or a lifetime, that gift of prayer is yours, the gift of relationship. Let's allow it to be shaped as we hear Jesus pray. But, and with this I finish, let's also hear what Jesus is praying for you and for me. And that's where I want to pull this together. I simply want to read you some of Jesus' prayer and for you to hear it and receive it as Jesus' prayer for you. Not a technique to be followed, but the prayer of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the maker of the universe. He prays for you and he prays for me. And this is what he prays. Let's just be still. You might want to close your eyes. In a moment, we're going to be able to sing and and respond in our words. But for the moment, let's just respond in our hearts with what we're going to hear Jesus praying for us. Here's what he says. I pray for them, says Jesus, for those you have given me, for they are yours. You belong to God. Jesus says so. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. Jesus prays for your protection and the strong name of God so that they may be one as we are one. And then he goes on to pray, I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy. Jesus prays for you to have the full measure of his joy today. Protect them from the evil one, he prays. Sanctify them by the truth. He's praying that you would be holy transformed, belonging to him. And then he prays, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Where is God sending you this week? With his joy, with his unity, with his protection, with his sense of belonging. Lord Jesus, thank you for this little glimpse of your heart of prayer. Forgive us when we put ourselves at the heart of the universe. Forgive us when we forget that there is more to this life than meets the eye. Forgive us when we try and pretend and put on our best face. Forgive us when we miss that we might be part of your answer to our own prayer. And more than anything else, fill us afresh with all that you've prayed for us and help us to respond as you send us out into this world to live and work to your praise and glory.